Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Welcome to the Weekly Exchange. This week in Forex and Strategy Game News, we have updates on Stellaris, Endless Space 2, Planetfall, Gladius, and much, much more. Nate and Troy. Hey, Troy. Welcome to the show. Good to be here, Nate. How are you tonight? I'm doing all right. I'm doing all right. How about yourself? Uh, pretty good. I was on vacation this week, uh, nice. you know, taking a, a, a bit of a, a break from work during the fall, went out to see all the colorful leaves, and of course, they haven't changed yet. Yeah, right. You, so mi- you missed it. Rainy. You missed <laughs> it by like probably two weeks. I mean, out by me today was like a 78 degree day with like 90% humidity. Oh, I was like, yeah. what? A- in October, this is crazy. Yeah, it, it hit 90 where I am today. I believe it. I believe and it. That That is no fun at all. So In, Octo- in October. In, in October. So, you know, we went up to the mountains, mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, I thought maybe higher elevations would be nice and, and cool and things. Uh-huh. It was hot. It was just hot. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. Anyway, uh, I think you have something you want to say before we get to the news. Is that right? I do. I want to address something from last week's show real quick. So uh, Joshua was on. We had a very interesting conversation about uh, – I don't even know how to state it. But basically something that's outside of gaming, making it into gaming, or something that's in gaming but also the same as it is outside. So we we had an exchange. We had a very, very – it was a little tense there for a bit. Then it continued – once we posted the weekly exchange last week, we've had a bunch of people come in and have different conversations and whatnot. And, you know, some were tense, some were not. And I, ha- I offered people to email me directly. So a bunch of people emailed me directly. And I got a couple of very interesting emails. <laughs> I-, I need a little bit of work to decipher, but nothing bad. All, all in all, I think that I, I want to make a small change. Now, actually, two small changes. First of all, is that I don't want to walk away from these topics. Maybe you know, stay with what we've been doing for the past four years with the weekly exchange, which is language. So there was some profanity on the show. Now, I'm not averse and I'm not against profanity, considering that I profane quite a bit when I play, but not when it's a new show, not when it's being presented to other people, you know, which is why I don't do YouTube content. When I'm with the guys on Twitch, I try to very carefully watch my language because I know that the wrong message can be sent across without the intention of doing it. So first of all, we're definitely moving forward. We're going to be very, very careful with language. Another thing, I don't want to get flagged on iTunes. I don't want to get flagged, you know, for adult content or anything else. That's one. Second thing, 
we're going if there's a topic like this, a hot button topic that we'd like to invite somebody to join us for a conversation, and we know that the conversation might be contentious or there might be, you know, lines drawn across the sand, we will never do it again on the weekly exchange. We're just going to do a strategic expanse for it. We had a very interesting one where we had Mark on and um, he let loose. And I I was curious to see what the community would say. And most people were like, yeah, it's all right. You know, if it's once in a while, it's okay. No big deal. And then with what happened on the weekly exchange, same thing. So if we know that it's going to be this type of show, we'll do it as a strategic expanse. We will let you guys know ahead of time. So if people are like, yeah, you know what? I want to listen to my news. I don't want to listen to that, you know, to the, you know, the soapbox political speech or, you know, I want this, I want that, or not this, not that. And then as a strategic expanse, if they don't want to listen, they don't have to. And we can easily avoid having issues like this. So I think we're going to be doing that. We've discussed it behind the scenes and pretty much everybody says, yeah, it's a good idea. Let's not do that again. So moving, this is a promise moving forward. No more strong language ever again. And at least not on the weekly exchange and any hot button topics like that are going to be reserved for strategic expanse. So what that means is there might be more strategic expanses again, but there might also be right, right. But they might also done, be contentious. Well, yeah, but you know what? We haven't done enough strategic expanses, and I'd like to get back to doing some more of those. Okay, deal. So you ready to go? Yeah, so let's get this uh, weekly exchange kicked off with a bit of GalSiv 3 news. And okay. uh, they're still working on the base game, essentially. I mean, nowadays when we talk about the base game, I guess we're talking about everything through Crusade. Well, we might be talking about Intrigue also. Well, no, Intrigue is still separate. Yeah, so the base game includes Crusade and some of the content before, and Intrigue, which was the last expansion, which we're going to have a review for in the near future, that's considered like the extra stuff now. So, yeah, go ahead. So they added a new racial trait called Aeroponics that gives you the ability to build a low-yield farm on any terrain with the Xeno Adaption technology. So, um... You know, if you want to play a faction that, I don't know, can colonize a lot of less than desirable planets, you can now make a go of it. Also, they have a few bug fixes. and One of them I kind find just a little bit humorous, uh, the, and this will be the only one I talk about, is it says, When you willingly start a campaign, a fleet may be spawned without a name. If you click on that fleet, the result will engender a crash of the game. But this only happens when you willingly start a campaign. So I guess if you ever unwillingly started a campaign, this bug did not happen. Okay, that's that's weird. <laughs> I think I, wouldn't I, it be I think the other way around. <laughs> I think I think the person who wrote this up. Uh, I you think know, they meant just, it. Just what maybe not was just wasn't used to writing up. Uh, you know, a little update or whatever this is. <laughs> or maybe it's backwards. Maybe it's like if you unwittingly start a game. Oh yeah. Then maybe. that's probably what they mean is if you unwittingly start a game this fleet will be generated yeah and if you click on it or but still doesn't make sense i mean i don't know about how i don't know i might unwillingly start a campaign when you press play and you don't look whether you do sandbox or campaign i guess yeah but but like what why would the bug not happen when you accidentally click campaign I have no idea, dude. I don't I'm not know a programmer. I, just, I love it when stuff like this comes up. Uh, I, I'm I'm a little bit of the type of person that reads, I don't know, between the lines a little bit on these things. Okay. And, well, I'm curious. I, I, it's just no. I, 
look, the word willingly probably shouldn't even be there. It's just when you start a campaign. Yeah. So anyway, it's just kind of a funny thing in the update. It's, it leads the reader to believe, well, you, this bug doesn't exist if you unwillingly start a campaign. Meaning if somebody's standing there with a firearm to the back here, just yeah, start a yeah. campaign, start a campaign. This bug's going to be like, whoa. This yeah, the, the bug says, well, yeah, you, you got enough problems. I'm going to leave you alone. <laughs> wow. That's, I mean, that's that's being very considerate, you know. That's, uh, yeah, I, I like I that. appreciate I like coding, high-level coding like that. <laughs> so what can you tell us about Stellaris? Okay, so there's two bits of news. First bit of news is that patch 2.1.4, or the beta for this patch, is available. And this is uh, the observer. So this is for MP specifically. And there's they added an observer mode. So as, like, you can be part of the game without actually playing. So you're kind of just sitting back and you're watching, you're commentating on it, I suppose. So you sort of have that in Steam already where you ask somebody to watch their game, you know, if somebody on your friends list. But I think this is directly through Paradox. So that's one. The second thing is they've done a lot of things to address uh, desyncs and sta stability and making sure that there are, um, like, no connectivity issues and things like that. So... What they're, what they're doing here is that they're trying to catch up Stellaris to a bunch of their other titles that already have these features, but they're doing it in a beta so they get more people to opt in and test it versus doing a wide release where people become unwilling beta testers. And then, you know, the complaints begin. I didn't want this, blah, 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 which is completely understandable because you know what? But when you release a patch or, you know, uh, a DLC or whatever, a big update, you don't want... A broken one. You want something that already works. You don't want to be testing it for weeks after release. So there. So I mean, this is an issue they've had before in the past with their other titles and Stellaris as well. So I think they're doing this now, which is really smart. So that's the first thing. That's kind of small, but it's the first thing. The second thing, they're talking about the Dev Diary. So this is uh, Dev Diary number one twenty-eight. It's called Decisions and Planetary Bombardment. Now. It's short, which is okay, because it's really got two major things to talk about. So the first thing is, is that, you know how in Stellaris they have edicts? Yes. Mm -hmm. Not anymore. They don't have those anymore. Now, oh, now they have goodness. something called, I know, now they have something called decisions, which is just oh. like edicts, but different. <laughs> uh, so, all right. <laughs> it's, it's, there's more of them. It's probably going to be a lot more focused. It's, they're changing it because they've changed this, the way the planet works, the way the tiles work right. on the planet. They've added a job system. So they wanted to, I'm pretty sure that what they really wanted to do is change the name. Otherwise, if people are like, wait, I know Edicts, and it doesn't work the same way. And they're like, wait, what's going on? Why isn't it working? So this way they fixed that. The second thing they did is that they are uh, they're ch they changed the way planetary bombardment is. And devastation is what it is. So now, when you're attacking a planet, uh, they, they haven't released all of the different layers and levels, but pretty much you do a lot of damage to the infrastructure of the planet. And in some games, when you're see, for example, when you're sieging a city or sieging a system, there's all kinds of malices, like um, to production, to to research, you can't build anything. But the moment you leave the system, everything returns. Not in all games, some games. And that was also the case kind of in Stellar. So while you're being sieged, kind of, or your planet is being invaded, you know, all production. But the moment the fleet disengaged, everything is back to full capacity. Not anymore. Now, as you're sieging, you have different options of bombarding the planet and attacking and destroying. And after the fleet leaves, if the planet is not captured, 
the planet has to recover. You know, population, depending on the type of bombardment, you know, the went down population could have been just killed or lots of population or planet could have been uh, polluted or made toxic or inhabitable or, you know, whatever, destroyed infrastructure. So you're going to have to compensate for that and, you know, spend the resources and fix it. So that's cool. I appreciate that. Yeah, I think now, that's kind of neat. Uh, one of the, so they, they also had a stream which I don't have linked just yet at the time that I'm speaking, but I will link it. They did a part one of three dev series where Martin is on with their main uh, streamer Blondie's his name. So he's like he's YouTuber streamer. He's like their guy who who's involved in all of these things. He's kind of in charge of a bunch of this stuff. So they did a stream together, and within the stream, you know, they were showing off some game, they're talking about it, but the the one thing that really, so I watched them, the one thing that really got my attention is how much modding support they're adding into Stellaris. Wow. Like, yeah, yeah, like, legit modding support. A lot of, the game is becoming more moddable, and I think that has a lot to do with the fact that a lot of people are complaining, like, wait, I loved Stellaris 1.5 or 1.9, or, you know, Stellaris 1.3 was the best that ever was, and you took this away, or 1.8, or, you know, whatever, whichever one point or two point that they want. So they're So they're adding all this modding support, and they're making it easier for people to either make mods for others to download or for them to even mod in the stuff they want themselves. So that's, you know, that's, an, that's interesting. I appreciate it. I think modding for these types of games is awesome. Now the question is what's going to happen with the checksum, meaning that if you're modding the game, our achievements going to be disabled, you know, are certain aspects of the gameplay going to be disabled or are they adjusting that? So that's kind of remains to be seen. And there, and, and that's kind of it for this week. So next week they said, or, Last week and this upcoming week, they said that they're going to talk more about um, the changes, like what they're doing with the bombing and other things. They're going to be discussing more about, I think, the sector system or the lack thereof or how it's going to be changed and, you know, governors and things like that. So they mentioned a bunch of the things, but I think they're going to start going to more depth. And they still don't have a release date and they're still telling everybody, look, when it's ready, we'll release it and it's not coming anytime soon. Which means it could be out next Tuesday or it could be out and, you know two, three more, four months, you know, so it's hard to say. All right, that's really cool. Well, we'll skip on over to the Endless Space 2 universe, and this week we're going to talk about the visual design for the Umbral Choir. In the dev update for this week, they talked about how the artwork came about for representing basically what a member of the species would look like. And uh, they interviewed Tibalt, who is one of their concept artists and illustrators for Amplitude. And something he said made me really glad. And that is he wanted to avoid a humanoid shape for this species. And I was like, yes, that is great. So we chose something that's much more snake-like, very serpentine, but still... Like, the, the premise for the species when it was first being introduced to the community was smoke, right? It was almost like an air elemental, that type of thing. Yep, yep. And so, and so we took that idea, and, you know, the, the first concept art for the species originally was... I, mean, I hope people weren't expecting that to be the final look, because what comes about at the end, I think, is very different from that, but at the same time, way better. So if you remember, it looked like maybe like an air elemental with a constellation in it. Well, now yeah, it was it was kind of it was very fantasy like. 
It was. I, I agree with you. I think you're right. It was more uh, Endless Legend than Endless Space. Yeah, I think so. And I, this, they made look more sci-fi. So instead of like a white constellation in the air elemental's body, it's more like there's this serpent with multiple red eyes. And it's really kind of spooky and mysterious. And it comes with uh, a video. It's a little under two minutes of the artist creating this figure in, I don't know, whatever program he's using, Photoshop or something. And like it's just amazing to watch the guy work. It, it's sort of a uh, sped up photography of how he makes this, this piece of artwork. And it is unbelievable talent. Like just to conceptualize it, and then take your concept and turn it into this piece of artwork, which is beautiful and mysterious at the same time. So anyway, not much as far as mechanics or, or content or things like that, but kind of a behind-the-scenes look at how the Umbral Choir will represent itself on screen, and it was, it was just amazing to watch the guy work. He's a fantastic, amazing artist. Absolutely, and... I'm, you know, it's as cool as it is. It kind of makes me think a little bit about uh, sandworms from Dune. You know, little, but like, it doesn't look anything like that, though. No, 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 I'm no. Glad like that. the shape, the way, the way the shape, the way it's it's a serpent or giant worm or something like that, and yeah. the way the the shape, it's almost like I'm expecting it to say, you know, it needs the spice, you know, some spice reference. It needs but, the dust. No, it's the spice. Well, okay, right. In, in this case, it needs the dust, right? But they they're before the endless. The Umbral Choir are not a byproduct of endless. No, at least that's a good point. we know. Good point. So who knows? But um, yeah. So it's cool. What I want to see, I want to see the ships. Right, right. Well, that's, I'm sure we'll get to that here soon. I, I I don't doubt it. But I'm looking forward to. it. I'm very curious. So all right. So moving on from that, let's talk about Warhammer 40k Gladius relics of war so as first of all a quick little update the review is written completely the review is undergoing editing so it should be coming soon and i i wrote it i stepped in i had to step in and write it because our original author was having some um you know real life stuff as everybody has been having this year including myself so you know it is what it is it's all good i've been thinking about gladius since I think July since I got access to it. So I was ready. And okay, so the update, it's it's a small slash big update. So the small update, the new stuff is very is very little. They added some parameters like for um, – so when you're loading – not loading up your game, but when you're setting up your game like you're doing custom campaign or something like that. Not campaign, but you're doing like a custom match or skirmish or whatever. Um you have more controls now for the world parameters, like for the region size, for density, and then for the regions themselves, be it Arctic, desert, tropical, volcanic, etc. They made some changes to fortifications and how they um, how they control outposts. And also they made a change to the Fortress of Redemption, which is something specific to the Space Marines and how and the resources it gets when there's an outpost within its vicinity. So that's that's little stuff. The big stuff is all about the AI. Lots and lots of AI changes. And the the moment you start hearing stuff like AI, AI is doing this, it's playing this, it's doing this, and it's like, just a quick glance tells me it's like, I don't know, 25 lines maybe of AI fixes and updates. That means that Ale is on the job. And uh, <laughs> for anybody that felt 
that Gladius was already hard. It's about to become much harder, but not because the AI is cheating, but because the AI is actually going to be playing the game. So I'm pretty excited. The one suggestion I would give Proxy Studios is that to make sure the lowest difficulty setting for the AI is actually something that's beatable by somebody who knows how to play Forex. I'm not talking about somebody who's who who just picked up the game for the first time and is like, okay, I can beat this game. I sh- should be no problem. No, but somebody who knows how to play Forex, somebody who can who's decent at it, should at least stand the chance of beating the low setting of the AI. If they're getting stomped completely and they're trying and they're getting stomped because there's only one or two paths to beating the AI, there's going to be some fallout, like negative feedback again. And I don't want that because this is a really good game and I really like it. And I want them to to succeed. I want more people in our community, the Forex community and the greater strategy community to realize what a gem this is and pick it up and not feel bad because the AI is crushing them because not everybody wants to play an AI that crushes them just by turning on the computer. The AI is like, you lost. Yeah, okay, fine. I'm not going to play anymore. You know, so you don't want that. So that's just the one thing I would tell them. Like all the other settings can be as hard as they want to make them. That's great. But at least have one setting that somebody who's not an expert can play and enjoy themselves and have fun and not be wiped out by the wildlife by turn four. Yeah, I totally agree. Without a doubt. We're going to skip on to Age of Wonders Planetfall, and this week we have a big update for this game. And for those who have wanted more Empire management in Age of Wonders, this one is for you. So, okay, again, with the weird sentences, this update starts with the weird sentences. It, it, it says, Colonies contain the population of one of the main races and are the main source of economic wealth for your empire, proving energy, knowledge, food, and production. I'm not sure I really can absorb what that means. Providing. Providing. Perhaps. I bet you it's providing. I don't know. Anyway, colonies can cover up to five sectors, and uh, sectors are, um, they're a group of tiles. Right, the regions around the colony? Yeah, yeah, they're, they're a grouping of tiles. Okay, so... Like, uh, in a lot of ways, this is similar to the way cities grow in Endless Legend. But in Endless Legend, when you expand a city, you know, you expand on a single tile, right? In Age of Wonders Planetfall, it's not just a single tile. It's more than one tile. But the idea is similar. In in fact, it might be a little bit more like Civ Sick in that, okay? Okay. And each of these um, sectors can have special things in it. So there might be a neutral faction there, or there might be some kind of landmark there, or some other structure that will give you an economic bonus or a research bonus or uh, a mineral bonus, that sort of thing. And you you might have to either uh, displace the population that's there or kill the populations that's, that's there to take it. So each sector is going to have perhaps its own challenge to you in order to expand into that sector. Or it could just be owned by another one of the factions, or it could be owned by a neutral faction, and you got to deal with them that way. So you could get it through diplomacy or something like that. So there's a lot of different ways of incorporating new land into your cities, which is very cool. I like that. Now, the number of sectors you can add is going to depend on the population. And I don't really think that's all that different from other games where the population of the city 
determines how far your city can expand. So even like in Warlock 1 and Warlock 2, the bigger your city, the more tiles you get to mm-hmm. build buildings on and things like that. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. That, that people should be used to that. So each sector will have a different climate, such as arid or Arctic or ocean or whatever, and then terrain features like mountains and forests and things like that. And each of those will have bonuses and malices depending upon what they are. Now, when you add a sector, you're going to explore it. Or, I'm sorry, you're going to exploit it. And you're going to be able to choose, like, how you want to exploit that center sector for energy, food, production, or research. And when you do that, you'll get an extra colonist slot for that particular thing. And again, this goes back to the landmarks and features in that sector. So if you have something that's going to provide a lot of energy, you're going to want to set your exploitation for that sector for energy and you'll be able to put an extra dude in there to work on adding energy to your empire so there will be some strategic choices with your sectors and expanding your sectors but sometimes those choices can be kind of obvious because it's just whatever is best which reminds me of endless legend right there were various features in endless legends fountains or mud pits or who knows what else that would give you different bonuses and if you expanded your city onto that you would be able to incorporate that bonus or or whatever or if there was a resource and you expanded your city over that resource you wouldn't have to build an extractor on it something like that so it's very similar and Mm -hmm. just like endless legend you know in endless legend if correct me if i'm wrong nate if you if if, sure. a tile, if a city tile had two other city tiles connected to it, it leveled up. And if it was surrounded, no, it by, was it's it wasn't two. It's four. It's four. Okay, it needs and if to it have was surrounded. Mm-hmm. It, it got another level up, right? No, no. You um, so you you're com- you're comparing two different things. So in order for a city tile to go from a level one to a level two, not a tile, but a district. Go from right, level one to level right. two. It needs to be. It needs to have four others around it. So there's a potential of six around any single district in the middle. And if any of the four around it were there, then it will level up to level two. Now, if you're playing as the cultists, they could level higher. Like their city center right, could actually right. go higher because they're a single city for the whole. Basically, they're a one city nation. So they have to play really tall. So that's how they they did by having their city center go to higher levels. So you have to have everything around it had to be upgraded to level two for the city center to go to level three. So that's how it was different. But what you're describing here actually makes me think of Eodore a little bit. Like, you know, like, you, you, yeah, you take a tile in Eodore, you take a region or a tile as part of your city, right? right? And you well, keep exploring really part it. part of your city. It's, it's part of your part territory. Of your city. It's part of your yeah. territory, part of your control territory. And yeah. you keep investing into it. You keep sending search parties more and more and more to gain full yeah, control and, and full bonuses. And you can build buildings to gain full control. You have to have, like, to reach 100%. But, like, it could be so intense that you can spend the whole game just basically taking over. Pretty much, yeah. You know, just just the the regions right next to you. You don't even have to expand anywhere. You could just stay right there and just keep exploring, exploring. So this isn't as deep as that. Planetfall is what I'm talking about. But it sounds like it could have the potential of where a single sector can have multiple things going on. Like as yeah, you and get I, I think it will. So it, it's sort of, for me, it looks like a a, a bit of Endless Legend. A bit of Civ Six, and then a bit of itself, and I, I I think that's perfect 
because mm-hmm. it's going to have some things people will recognize, such mm-hmm. as sector levels. It's very similar mm-hmm. to district levels, and it'll have these uh, landmarks and then sector specialization structures that you can build in there, It's which is similar to Civ Six, but it's mm-hmm. not exactly like either of those games. Yeah, it's their own idea. makes it its own thing. So... Uh, I like it when a game can be both recognizable and unique at the same time. That's really cool. Uh, the the last little bit of the update showed all the different uh, settler units. They're called colonization mm-hmm. units. Yeah, so we got but, to see six. Yeah, we got to see all six, which I think is the first time we've ever seen them in one picture. Right. Uh, like this. So that was pretty cool to see. Uh, I like that some of them look like uh, mechanical... Mm-hmm organic hybrids Mm -hmm. which is very cool like you know my biggest complaint is like my biggest complaint with star trek is all the aliens are people with different foreheads (laughs) and that drives me crazy and different clothing yeah different clothing different foreheads that that, that's it that all aliens will look like humans except for their foreheads right and that drives me crazy in video games when you're not limited by anything right so here we go. It looks like pretty cool stuff. And there's a lot I didn't talk about. We're going to link this update in the notes. And right. for those who want more Empire management, it's in there. It's in there. And I think it's going to be plenty, especially given how detailed combat is in this game. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're going to have a lot to do in right. Age of Wonders Planetfall. And speaking of combat, I want to make a small little addendum. Okay. So when I'm talking about Planetfall, and I'm talking about how excited I am. I keep mentioning XCOM. Now, I don't want anybody to think that I'm trying to say that Age of Wonders Planetfall is going to be the same type of squad tactics as XCOM. I want to specify that the Overwatch mechanic from XCOM is being adapted into Planetfall, into the tactical combat. So the way, not not one not one-to-one, but a lot of the same functions that overwatch has in xcom now will be or some version of it is going to be in planetfall so i just want to clarify that i don't want to try and sell this game to anybody telling them oh man xcom with proper base management you know it's not this is this is an age of wonders game this is basically age of wonders 3 grown up and sent into the future and Oh, XCOM 2 has a cool mechanic. What can we do with that? So I just want to clarify that because I had somebody make a comment in the forums, rightly so, and that's it. And moving on, let's talk about Dominions 5. So normally when we talk about Dominions 5, we have Mike on as a guest because he's writing the review, he's playing it, he's enjoying it, he is drowning in it, (laughs) trying to stay afloat. But um, this week's update, 5.27, is actually just an accounting update for fixes. So it's not a, they're not introducing really anything new. They're making corrections and things like that. So, I mean, I'm looking at this. I have no idea what I'm looking at. I'm not going to pretend to repeat it, sound like I know what I'm talking about. It's in the notes. If you're a Dominions 5 player and you look at it, you might know what this is. If you're a Dominions 5 player and you look at it and you might not know what this is, that's okay too. We're not judging. So it's, it's a real short update. Anytime there's a substantial update, we'll have Mike on. But until then, when it's things like this, I'll just I'll step in and cover for it. All right. Very cool. Now we have another lengthy update from Aggressor's Ancient Rome. And this is the first post-launch update. And the good news is the launch went really well. There weren't a lot of bugs. Nobody had major problems with the game. So they are already turning their eyes toward more features or improving the features that are already in the game. 
And one of those features is UI scaling for the person or persons that left them negative reviews because the game didn't scale up to 4K on their monitor, which I really feel bad for that person. Let me tell you, that was sarcasm. Anyhow, also, then this was one of my complaints when I wrote the preview for this game. They're adding in the, what I call like the RTS mouse controls, which is left click select, oh, right God. click move. Oh God, it is so rough right now. Yes. I'm it is so difficult. Like I'm some of so I'm writing the review for this. Now the Gladius is done. I can get back to focusing on aggressors. I'm putting in the time. And for every hour of play, I'd say I have ten minutes at least of fighting the UI somehow. Yes, I, I agree. The when you have left in in a game like this, where every single spot on the on the screen could be clicked on. And then something could happen. Left click select, left click move is absolutely terrible. Now, the way that they talk about what they call the alternative mouse controller, what I call RTS controls, which is, you know, something that we got used to with Warcraft and Starcraft back in the 90s, uh, is, you know, they're kind of begrudgingly adding this to the game. You know, we think our original and our beta testers got used to it. So, you know, that's great for your very enfranchised early adopters. But for a regular folk picking up this game, they're going to want and expect left-click select, right-click move because it just keeps things more uniform. When everything is left-click, that means you can do everything with a left-click. And it's just... It's, it's bad. So anyhow, in the beta branch right now is the alternative mouse control, left-click select, right-click move, and it'll make its way onto the main branch here real soon. Also, they're, they're adding additional tooltips and improving the, the way the map looks for supply management. And Nate, this might interest you because this is an important facet of the game. You're going to be able, it'll be easier for you to tell which tiles are not getting enough supply or which tiles are completely unsupplied now just by looking on the main map with the tooltips. And also the supply management overlay is getting additional information and tooltips added to it because keeping your, your units and your supply lines flowing is really important in this game. Yes, it is. It is very important. And having this information available to me at a quick glance versus having to fight trying to get information is even more important. And I appreciate it. It's going to make my life easier. Yes, I, I, I definitely agree. I definitely agree. So a lot of the things I wanted in my preview look like they're coming true. Now, the last thing I'm going to talk about here is diplomacy. And this is, this is really good. Um, I didn't... Like, my experience with diplomacy in... Aggressor's Ancient Rome was more like the AI was constantly declaring war on me. They were very mean to me when I played, which is fine. But anyhow, in the new, in the new update, uh, it's going to have additional information in the diplomacy screen that tells you what resources the AI faction you're talking to needs and also what resources it has an abundance of. So that way... You're not guessing, and you're not wasting your time offering things that the AI is just going to regret and might get mad at you about. It's also going to be more clear about what types of uh, social interactions the AI is interested in having with you. So that is going to be a major, major improvement to um, 
to diplomacy. And then, you know, it's just fixing and adding other things like units inside cities are going to heal two times faster. I didn't think they did, but I was playing it. Now I know that they weren't. So that's going to be in there. And uh, the AI in general is going to be more capable on the battlefield. So big update for Aggressor's well, Ancient Realm, which I thought was already a pretty decent game. And I right. think these changes are going to make it even better. Agreed. And here's the thing. I... My experience so far has not been one where I feel the AI is not good in combat. Where it can use improvement is judging which encounters it really wants to pursue. So maybe that's what they're going to be working on, you know, like gauging the strength better. But I definitely appreciate the changes to diplomacy because that's the thing. Like right now, when you're trying to talk to any of the other... Um, civilizations yeah it's it's not factions civilizations because you're not you're not dealing with factions within the same one you're dealing with different countries you know different uh heads of state well, you also have like the the the, the germanic tribes and things like that's that. true and, and you have like the greek like, you have like the greek Greece. ones like multiple yeah. greek ones but you're right so either so heads of state how about that when you're talking there to the go. heads of states trying to uh do diplomacy it's sometimes it's hard like you'd think they'd want to have something going but then they don't and they get mad at you and it's like wait what so maybe getting a little bit more information will help with that so yes i'm looking forward to it now okay let's move on let's let's do a little bit of fantasy so you know how in the past so total war warhammer 2 has been out for a while now and it hasn't had any content the last major release was back in may and that release was part of something that was held on for five months for them to figure some stuff out and fix things so this is the first piece of new gameplay that we've seen and this is the first like major meaty dlc in a while and this one is called curse of the vampire Go uh, coast which is coming on november 8th so about a month from now and they have a video and the video is fantastic it's the, so as a Warhammer player and somebody who's played a lot of fantasy battle, which is what this is based on, you don't have too much information about what's going on in the Southlands. This is what this is going down. I think the Southlands, I mean, might, might be Lustria. I'm not sure at this point, but you don't have this information. Like what the vampires are there, they're very much connected or in competition with the Tomb Kings. But this is something different. This is, you know, these are... Uh, Think of Pirates of the Caribbean 2 and 3, but instead of them being some kind of weird sea creatures, they're, you know, vampires and, you know, they're zombies and ghouls and things like that. And, and, and the large boat. They, well, that's that's part of it. So the way it used to be back in the older Total War games is you actually had naval battles, proper naval battles, but that got right. taken out. So it was always auto resolve. And now they they changed it again. So now it's actually more similar to how naval battles are in Age of Wonders 3, where you engage two sides and you have a map and you fight. But here it's like the two ships engage and then they find like a neutral island or something like that somewhere between them and both both armies disembark and then they start fighting over the island. <laughs> so it's a little gamey, but I, you know, I suppose it's better than nothing, better than just an auto-resolve. But there's some really cool creatures. I, I could not do justice to the video it is that good it's great voice acting just imagine if some old vampire was the captain of a pirate ship or an admiral of a fleet just imagine that that's it's really cool so definitely check it out it's um i think it's going to be like 
19 bucks, 20 bucks, you know, the usual stuff. I mean, it's a full-blown DLC expansion, whatever you want to call it, with a whole bunch of content. I'm sure there's going to be four, uh, there's going to be four lords like every, like everybody else, four legendary lords, and I'm sure they're going to add some other stuff to it, like uh, there's going to be eight new regiments of renown. So, yeah, that'll be stuff. So, um, yeah, it's it's cool. I mean, I don't have Total War 2. I have the complete version of Total War 1 that I have yet to play, but, you know, for obvious reasons, I'm trying to get reviews out and, you know, get stuff done on Explorminate, so I don't have time right now. But as soon as, maybe towards the end of the year, once I get some of my stuff out of the way, I'll get a chance to fire up Total War 1 because it's complete. I have it. Might as well check it out, right? Yeah, yeah, very cool. Well, speaking of videos telling us about video games... Uh, this week I saw a video for X4, which is the latest sequel in the X series of games. And the video builds or builds X4 as like the largest sandbox sci-fi game you can play. Now that's, that's something because like No Man's Sky is out there and that's a pretty game too. A pretty big game too. But anyway, uh, in X4, you know, you're... You're given the, the ability to play everything from uh, a, a two-man fighter up to a super carrier that carries entire fleets. And you can be in the captain's chair, the pilot's chair, or anywhere. You can just kind of crawl around in it and do whatever you want. Uh, you can mine resources and construct factories and all this stuff. Or you could be a pirate and take that sort of thing. It's complete freedom. There is a campaign, but it's optional. And the game is going to be filled with... Uh, multiple, multiple procedurally generated missions and quests and, and, and story threads for you to follow. To me, Nate, it looked a lot like a single-player EVE Online. It's just that big where you can control your, your own factories and space stations and giant spaceships and all that, but you don't have to worry so much about buying viz or whatever their oh, right. currency is and well it's EVE online even online is an mmo so you right know. right so this is something you could play by yourself at least it seemed to me i don't know that much about the x4 series but it looked mm -hmm. very impressive in the video to me well that's that's cool that's very cool because this kind of to me it makes me think not of eve online but it makes me think of um Starpoint, Gemini, Warlords, things like that, because that's also that type of gameplay, you know, mm -hmm. where you can start from something really small or go all the way up. And it's on that Starpoint, Gemini, Warlords, almost like a 4X. So this one also has the elements, but this is, I think this is a lot more control in like the ship combat. And yeah, I mean, you know, you're in like a first person view. Right. For it. And you can run around the ships and get in your space suit and float around in space. Maybe Star so. Citizen even. Maybe not even yeah. EVE Online. Maybe Star Citizen. Well, but not, I, not yeah. as big as that. I mean, yeah, that but see, in EVE Online, you can control, like, super capital ships and all this. And True. In this game, it's sort of the same thing. Anyway, uh, uh, looks really interesting for those interested in the X4 series. Check out the video. Uh, there's actually more than one out, I believe, for X4 mm -hmm. Foundations. Mm -hmm. right. And uh, you, you might, be, you might uh, learn a little bit more. Right. Okay, so moving on... Um, AI War 2 has launched into Steam Early Access. Now, this was a while back. This was, I'd say, a year, year and a half ago. 
when they're working on their 4X game and they ran into some financial troubles and everybody's like, why are you doing this? Why are you doing working on this? We want AI War 2. Why would you even – they tried a couple of different games. Nothing uh, – Like uh, in case of emergency, release Raptor? Right. That Well, that was the second game they tried. They had another game before that. They, well, they tried. You know, look, the, you got to make money. You got to try things. You got to capture the community. But no matter what, everybody kept coming back. We want AI War 2. such an awesome game. All we ask for is that you change this here, change this there, and give it to us. We will buy it like crazy. We're your devoted fans. Well, guess what? It's it's going to be out on the 18th, the early access. It's going to be an early access. Uh, we'll have a link to their website. There's some videos in there. It looks fantastic. So, okay, so for those that don't know, what is AI War? So AI War is a hybrid and a legitimate true hybrid between grand strategy and RTS gaming set in space. Now, what makes this game stand out is it has a very, very competent AI. So even on the lower difficulty difficulty settings, this AI is going to not be nice to you. And on the higher difficulty settings, you better be playing close to perfect because it's 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 tough. And the fan base is legit when they say that this is one of the hardest games out there. And it has a fantastic multiplayer mode. So you can do single player, you can do multiplayer. So to me, from, from somebody looking from out to in, it looks like they did a major update on the graphics, which is great because it wasn't the looker before. And they've upgraded the gameplay from before. You know, they caught it up to a more like like something that looks like it's a 2018 game, not like a 2008 game. Not that it matters to a lot of people, I suppose. But yeah, so... If you're a fan of AI War 1 and you demanded to get AI War 2, please go out and support these developers because they gave you what you want. It looks good. If you're not sure, if you're not already following, if you haven't already invested, click on the link in the notes. See what they have to offer. We'll definitely have more coverage for it. Uh, we'll have uh, we'll get a key for do some video stuff. So absolutely give it a look because we want them to get back to working on their 4X game because that's that was going to be a 4X game that was going to change things. And I want to see that game again. So please go ahead and support them. Give it a look. And moving away from space, sort of, 4X, um, Battletech had a video showing, it's, I think it was like just around 30 minutes. So Hairbrain Schemes, they showed off one of the Flashpoint missions from the new DLC that's coming. And it showed two new mechs in it. It showed uh, like the mission structure. They didn't, I think they're going to have next week or this week, they're going to have another one showing more of the character changes that they're making and some of the skill changes. They didn't get to go into that. But it looks, if you haven't seen this video, we'll have a link. Click on it, watch it. If you're a Battletech fan, give it a, give it a look. If you're not a fan, you're sitting on the fence, give it a look anyways because it looked like a lot of fun. And then continuing with that, XCOM 2 news. Now, for the past, I'd say three, maybe four weeks, um, the the lead developers for XCOM 2 have been teasing that there's going to be something coming in October. And on October 9th, which is going to be the sixth anniversary of the reboot of the original XCOM series, so this is when they released XCOM Enemy Unknown, they're going to release something called the Tactical Legacy Pack. So if you currently, and in order to play this, you need to have both the base game 
and War of the Chosen. And I can't imagine anybody at this point has not picked up War of the Chosen on sale. It's fantastic. One of the best expansions I've ever played, hands down. And I don't, I don't say this lightly, and I'm willing to stand by this. If somebody wants to fight me, bring it. I will defend it. If somebody wants to argue with me, let's do this. But anyways, um, in all seriousness, this is going to be a free DLC that's going to be available to people that own the base game and War of the Chosen until December 3rd. Meaning that if you own the game already, you should be able to download it for free. If you haven't yet... Probably on that day, they're going to have a big sale or like a publisher weekend or something like that. You're going to be able to pick up the missing content. So get it. So what is this bringing to this? Well, this this adds a couple of new game modes. Specifically, it adds um, something called legacy ops. And within these ops is that you're going to have uh, Bradford, who is he's basically like the second in command in XCOM 2 and in XCOM 1 he's going to be telling you the story of how they survived between the two games and you're going to be going on missions and you're probably thinking yeah okay so whatever so a few more scripted missions not exactly so they did a lot of art they did a lot of custom art to bring the armor some of the armor sets and weapon sets from the first game into the second game they brought some of the favorite um like city stages i guess or mission like where the mission takes place there's like one particular place was a gas station another one was a diner another one was a pool hall so they're bringing that from the original xcom enemy within enemy enemy unknown enemy within to xcom 2 so as you're going and they're different difficulties and they're kind of strung together and it's narrated and you'll get to play as different people like bradford so with the new weapons and armor so it should be really cool so as you're moving through all of this you're getting more of the story. You, you'll understand what happened between the two games. And then next time you're playing XCOM 2 War of the Chosen, when you start a new campaign, these weapons are going to be in your game. These new city centers, these new resources, this new equipment, these new tiles, all that stuff's going to be in your game for you to use in some way or another. Like It's going to be added to the pool of stuff available for generation. So there's, there's there. And then, of course, there's also in there as um, uh, there's going to be in there some... Okay, so in the game right now, you have you have these goals. Basically, you get to try one mission a day that Fraxis puts up, and then you get a score, and then you get to compare a score to like a leaderboard. Unfortunately, over the past couple of years, a bunch of hackers got in and hacked the hell out of it to the point where you know they, they beat it like in one turn. They cheat. They ruin all the scores. Well, here they did something different where it's single player. You can do it as many times as you want. And then you can compare your score. So it's not like anybody can go into your computer and hack your score. You'll see what the global score is, and you're not competing with anybody directly. You know, so you you'll see like it. Sh- supposedly they went in and fixed it, so that's another thing. So there's there's a lot of stuff that they're doing here. There's going to be if if you're a fan of the photo booth, which was actually a really fun thing in War of the Chosen, they added more poses. There's some really they did a video. We'll have a link to the video. There's some really crazy stuff in there. They added more soundtrack stuff. So yeah, so there's they're doing a whole bunch of things and all of this is free. If you own XCOM 2 and War of the Chosen, you have six weeks, seven weeks to pick this up for free. Or if you don't own War of the Chosen, it's probably going to be on sale shortly after release. So go get it. Play this. This is awesome. This is amazing. I was hoping to hear more about another expansion, which might happen anyways. So this is just kind of a tease, maybe. I don't know. 
but that's it. I'm I'm really excited. I can't wait to dive back in sometime in January or so. All right, pretty cool. So this week, Phoenix Point, a similar game to XCOM, uh, just gave us a, a behind-the-scenes look at their studio, things like that. And they kind of uh, did a little piece on each of their artists and level designers and, and this sort of thing, showed them at their workstations, actively working on the game. So there's a lot of teaser photos in there about levels and monsters and, and the images that'll be in the game, some concept art and things like that. So if you are backing Phoenix Point uh, through its crowdfunding p- campaign or interested in picking it up once it comes out, this will give you uh, a good idea of who is working on it, what they're working on, and again, uh, I guess like some teaser images for what's going to be in the game. Yeah, and I actually like this. I like this kind of update, these types of updates a lot because very often as players, we don't know, we know the team that develops the game, like the studio or the publisher. We know like a couple of the main people that, you know, get in front of the mic or get in front of the camera. Uh, Maybe we might know a musician who worked on a game or maybe an artist or a voice actor, but we don't really ever get to find out who the people that programmed the game and did the art, you know, that the the rank and file type folks and here they're featuring them and that's cool and it also shows that there's harmony or some at least where they're showing it there appears to be harmony in the studio and that's something that's you don't get too often these days mostly you hear negative things when it comes to this so you know it's it's one nice thing so also i think there's another tactics game coming out that involves Cthulhu monsters in Nazis or something like that? Well, right. So, <laughs> interestingly enough, if you, you've watched the Indiana Jones movies, right? Yeah, sure, of course. Okay, so do you remember in the first movie when the Nazi forces are going after relics from different... Well, actually, not the first. First, second, third, and all the, and all the well, Indiana first and Jones. Third. First and third. The second one or the, is What about the fourth uh, one? What India, about... In, uh, right, right. The three stones of something or another. Right. What about the fourth one where they're going after the alien well, skull? That was the Soviets, not the Nazis. Oh, okay. Yeah. I uh, Villain A, villain B. Anyways, so now imagine if in World War II, the relics that they're going after actually had some kind of power, had some kind of mysticism real mysticism to it so that's what this game is it's called Actung Cthulhu Tactics and this is basically a World War II squad based squad tactics game mixed with RPG as you have the Nazi forces activating all these relics and summoning Cthulhu demons Cthulhu-esque demons and you have you know the allies going against them so there's some tongue-in-cheek in there but there's pretty interesting lore and uh, it's out, and we had spoken about it before. So anytime we speak about a game that you know we we feature in the what is, and it comes out, you know we can do a little follow up, and who knows, we'll see how it does. Maybe we'll have something for it in the future. All right, that's cool. Uh, Surviving Mars is getting a massive update here soon, and this changes the game so much that you might even think of it as Surviving Mars Two. So anyway, this is a new expansion that's coming for the game is called Space Race. And what it's going to introduce is competition to your Martian colony. So new nations and corporations are going to be introduced to the game. And when you start a game, you'll pick one of them to be. And then they will, then that nation or corporation will essentially be your sponsor 
for your colony. And you'll get specific unique buildings and, and units related to that nation or corporation. And you can build and expand your com colony. And then you're going to be in competition with other colonies for prime real estate, resources, trading, all that sort of thing. And so this really changes the nature of the game, which was something where, as a player, you struggled essentially against the environment and uh, or in internal conflicts with your population. And now you're going to have external conflicts with other colonies. And so that's like a major, major game or change to the game. And almost like uh, Josh to be here to talk about it because this, this seems like they're changing the whole focus of the game into something that might resemble more um, off-world trading company, that sort of thing. I don't think it'll be as fast-paced because it's... Right. Um, Sort right. of a survival game slash city builder, which, you know, um, off-world trading company is an RTS game. Well, so, it, it might be like a fast-paced RTS versus a slower-paced RTS or a game that has some RTS elements to it. Yeah, you know? we'll have to wait and see. Uh, it'll be interesting to see the nature of the competition among the different colonies, like how that works, uh, will you be able to sabotage, you know, what what sort of uh, military implications will there be, if any, uh, what sort of hacking or espionage will there be, if any, that sort of thing. So uh, this, th whatever it is, it's going to be a huge change for the game. So if you like Surviving Mars, if you've been following it at all, this is going to be quite an expansion for it. And... Um, I'll, I'll be fascinated to see what the reaction is. Absolutely. And you know what? You know what's another game that does this where you have, depending on which uh, country or corporation supports you, you have a different start? Civilization okay. Beyond Earth did that. Yeah, that's true. But that's a turn-based game. No, no, it is. But I mean, it's, again, we're seeing a paradox title taking certain ideas, at least what looks like from the outside, like this This is an interesting idea. This is an interesting idea. What can we do with it? So, yeah, this feels like it should be like Surviving Mars 2 because it changes from being a survival city builder to, you know, almost like a somewhat competitive RTS. Right. At least, at least on the surface until we know more. Yeah. Yeah. And speaking of competitive RTS, Northgard also got an update. And this is another really big one. We've had a lot of big updates this week, Nate. Um, this one is go this one's called Ragnarok, which I suppose uh, they're skipping right to the end here. And they're adding a bunch of volcanoes to the game. And this is very unique. I'm, I'm not sure another game's ever really done something like this. So volcanoes are a terrain feature, okay, just like anything else. However, from time to time, those volcanoes are going to spit out chunks of rock, okay? And those... Those chunks of rock are going to go in a random direction. You'll never know where they're going. But let's say one of those big chunks of rock drops into your territory. Well, your workers can start mining it for stone and perhaps other resources as well. So they'll take that down, and if you get enough workers on it, it'll deplete. Because that, that's just kind of what will, will happen with this particular resource. The rock will land, your workers set on it, and deplete it. However, if they don't deplete it within four months, or let's say it lands outside your territory and you can't get your workers to it, but it's very near your territory, the rock will animate and become a golem that starts rampaging around. And so now your military is going to have to deal with it. So that's kind of crazy. 
And then also there's a new event being added called Blood Moon, which is going to make soldiers outside their home territories stronger. Another new uh, terrain feature is being added is an ancient graveyard, which if you send your lore masters there, it'll add ghosts essentially to your army. And then there's going to be ghosts you have to fight against in the game, including ones that come up out of the sea. Uh, the cobbled faction is getting a refresh where um, in, it's going to be a little bit stronger. They can send uh, four of their units after the second year out to a neutral tile and colonize it. Uh, also, um, they're okay if, if there aren't any neutral tiles near them, they're going to start attacking the player more. They're also adding in dark elves to this, the Mir Kalfar. I guess. I'm not sure how to pronounce it. But that'll be another um, a neutral faction that you'll have to contend with. And they're kind of like raiders. So they'll send units into your uh, territory. They'll kind of infiltrate mm -hmm. it because mm -hmm. they're stealthy. And they'll give you some type of malice to your food or wood. or Damn those dark like elves. That. Yes, Damn they're them. very bad. Very and bad. then also, the developers are adding essentially another tech tree. But you know anything about the tech trees in Northgard? They're they're not really a tech tree. They're more like a bonus catalog where you get your research points and you just choose whichever bonus you want. They're adding a second one, which is very similar. It's it's kind of like a tech tree, but it really isn't. It's more like a bonus catalog where as your military units kill things, you get XP points not just for the units but also for your whole empire. And then you can proceed down one of the mm. three different military paths mm. to get more bonuses. Well, There's it is nothing... an RTS, so you it, know you it, you do fight. It is right. So you know it's not it's not a real tech tree in that you're going to be unlocking new content. It's just like I say, a bonus catalog, so you get more bonuses. There's three different types. So in addition, more balances and improvements to the game. Uh, some bug fixes and uh, oh yeah, new trophies for the next season because it's a multiplayer game, right? And so uh, when you're playing multiplayer, you can earn points for your victories and things like that. And then if you reach a certain level, which it's not really described in this update, you get a totem that you can uh, place in your territory to just make yourself look really cool to opponents who face you because you got this big totem and you want your totem to be bigger than other people's totems. So that way you can compare your totems. Yeah, sounds like real life. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so anyway, big update for that game as well as for Surviving Mars. If you're interested in those, check them out. Absolutely. So, all right. So let's move on to the next section, the what is section. This week we're talking about Phantom Brigade. Now, this is a squad tactics with giant mechs, so immediately you're thinking Battletech, but it's different. It doesn't have the lore of Battletech, and it's also not as far into the future as Battletech. So Battletech takes place in the story about a thousand years or so in yeah, the a future, bit over a thousand years, something right. at least that where the story takes place, whereas this feels more like uh, maybe 20 years from now. And what you and so what you have is you don't have at least so far you don't have like a central narrative campaign other than you are a small group trying to survive. You basically whichever faction you were with is the faction that lost, and you're trying to survive and like you know grow yourself to oppose them. And 
it's it's mechs. It's you know modern mechanized armor against mechs and other mechs against mechs fighting in cities, fighting in urban area like heavily populated urban areas. Everything is destructible. You can um, if you're fighting, let's say, in a place that has uh, high rises, and one of the mechs is hiding in the lobby of a high rise, you can bring the high rise down on them, and that'll wipe them out. So you're not just blowing off their cover, you're actually destroying them. You salvage what you find on the field, you outfit your units. It's it's it looks like a lot of fun. It also looks a lot more cinematic. So you set up like ambushes or things like that. I don't know the specifics here, so maybe in the like in the tactical layer or in the strategic layer you can set up movement and then based on how the turns go, that's how the combats come out. I, I'm not sure, but it's really cool. There's a link in the notes. I've been following this game for a while, so I'm pretty excited for it. This is one more of those games that I can't wait to play when it comes out, but I probably won't play it for a while after it comes out. But that's all good. I'd rather, you know, it's I'd rather have a dearth of games I can't play than not have enough stuff to play and just wish I had stuff. And then finally, um, I'm going to talk about Galactic Dominion. Now, this is a Space 4X that uh, was announced, like, just flew completely under the radar. We didn't know anything about it, didn't read anything about it, nobody was talking about it, and out of the blue, one of the community members said, oh, by the way, there's another Space 4X out there. So it's like, what? So yeah, so right now, it appears to be, it looks like it's out, and it's been out since early September. So yeah, we'll definitely try to do our best to get coverage for it this year what makes it interesting is that it has you could either play it as real time or turn-based it has campaigns with chapters so maybe a little bit like gals of three and it's supposed to be on the faster end so maybe you don't you're not stuck you know playing it for 30 40 hours to finish the story maybe you can do it much faster and uh we'll keep checking out on this and uh when somebody frees up and they want to give it a spin. We'll see what we can do about covering it. I mean, graphically speaking, this is not, you know, Endless Space or Stellaris or uh, Master of Ryan 2 even. This might, be <laughs> this might look a little bit older than that. But you know what? Who cares? And it looks like it has a lot of the things that we usually are asking for. So it has some quite a bit of depth to it. So we'll have, we'll have to see. And it's not expensive. It's only 15 bucks. So if you have some cash in your wallet that's looking to escape, this might be the game for you. All right. So, Troy, what have you been playing this week? Well, uh, because I was on vacation, I had very little time to play anything. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. Uh, I got in another mission in Space Tyrant, and uh-huh. that is all. That's it? Yep, that's it. Was it, was it fun? Oh, yeah, man. It was, it was really tense. Um, I noticed there was a secondary win condition uh-huh. where I could play five cards in a single turn and win which you're only allowed to have a three-card hand, so you have to earn ah. extra cards uh, through either exploration or, uh, well, there's another card that'll draw you extra cards. Okay. So you kind of have to <laughs> kind of play your cards right in order <laughs> nice. to win that way. And uh, I, I managed to accomplish that and beat the mission, and it was pretty cool. I had my first encounter with uh, space monsters. Uh-huh. There was a space slug and a space shark. Uh-huh. And the space shark ate half of my best fleet. Ooh, did it have a laser on its head? Uh, yeah, it it, oh, it has nice. lasers, and it's just really big and humongous. And it ate my battleship. Oh. 
but it didn't sink your battleship. It ate your battleship. It it ate it up. So Very anyway, nice. uh, I had a lot of fun with it, but that's all I had time for this week. What about you? Okay, well, as I said earlier, I had taken on the writing duties for Gladius. So I've been playing Gladius this week to grab screenshots and to, you know, see if I was missing anything from the virtual review I had written in my head over the past couple of months. And uh, I, I put in quite a bit. I think I put in like 10, 15 hours into that this week, over the weekend mostly. And then I played a little bit of Aggressors. And I'm looking forward to the changes. I haven't had a chance. I fired it up for a few minutes today, but I didn't really have a lot of chance. So maybe over the next week, I can focus on that. And I played some more Thea too. Oh, yeah? How yeah, it? it's it's good, but it's brutal, man. Oh, my God. Yeah, it's it's so just like hard. no ma- I've, I've started it now maybe five or six times, and I've tried a couple of different things. And no matter what, I am just like getting stomped i'm like man but i'm really enjoying the new combat system i like i'm learning it and i'm realizing that my tactic of oh man i got the super duper fighter why don't i put him in each phase of combat uh because he takes a lot of damage a lot a lot of damage and after the combat's over you'll be lucky if your combatant your fighter is still alive so i'm having to relearn how to do combat in theater, which is a good thing because they, they made some pretty good changes and um, you can craft now while you're in camp. Yeah, which is really good. Which is good. So it makes because me Because I wa- don't think you can form towns yet. No, so. not yet. This is like this is like an alpha build. Pre-alpha almost. Pre-alpha. Well, I mean, it doesn't look it. It looks like it's a solid like beta about to be released. It looks really good. But as far as what's available to you, a lot of stuff is not available. Like, you can do a lot more in camps now. So it'll be interesting to see. So in Thea 1, you only had your one village, and then you can have your encampments. As many parties as you had, they could encamp to collect resources and whatnot. That's really it. In Thea 2, you're going to supposedly be able to have multiple villages or maybe even towns. So it'll be interesting to see how that mechanic works because right now since you can do stuff while encamped, I don't know if I would want to make a lot of villages. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, well, you might not ever even have to make one. Like, they want to make the game so you could play it. There's different strategies. Right. So You could I, win the game with just camps. You could win the game with one village, or you could win it with multiple villages. It just depends on which strategy you think is best for your start in like your start's going to be different. Right. And sometimes like half your crew is going to die in a shipwreck. Right. I don't know. So (laughs) far it's, it's usually 25% of my crew is lost one way or another. So yeah, yeah, it's rough. It's rough. But uh, Hey, uh, yeah, I played a little bit of, um, Mario rabbits kingdom battle on the switch. It's just such a fun game. You can just pick it up, play it, put it down. It's, it's easy. It's, it doesn't draw me in like, like XCOM, so it doesn't compare. It's it has elements, and it tries to be like a more tongue-in-cheek version, and it's plenty tongue-in-cheek. It is a very cheeky game, but yeah, it's it's also and I paid for it like fifty bucks, and the regular price is sixty. And this game is a thirty-dollar game at best. Like this this game should not be. You shouldn't pay for this more than thirty bucks. So there's that, and uh, Armello Armello came out on the Switch. So I'm like, ooh, I want to check it out. So I've been messing around with it on the Switch, and it's pretty solid. It's yeah, it's it's easier than messing on the iPad because it's smaller, but the font is really small. So that, that's it. I haven't had too much time. I mean, that's plenty of gaming, 
but I haven't had too much time to try any other stuff this week. So I think well, with that week, yeah, I know, right? <laughs> Between writing a review and playing this many hours, but you know, it's okay. Sleep, I don't need any sleep. I'm all right without any sleep. It's okay. I'll, it's, I'll be fine, I think. So anyways, um, just the usual, I want to thank our patrons. Thank you so much. You, you're you awesome. We really appreciate everything you do. I want to thank our listeners for listening, for giving us feedback, for engaging with us, our community members. Our videos are going to be coming back soon. Mark has a couple of series in the works, but with his video card troubles, it hasn't happened just yet. But the good news is, is that the patrons are helping Mark replace his video card. So there's that. And Troy is going to get his new chair this week for sure because he's back home again. I didn't want the chair sitting on your porch. Yeah, that's so, not a good place for a desk chair at all. Yeah, well, considering that people are like, ooh, there's a box. I always wanted a box that big. <laughs> well, I've got good neighbors. All right, good. Well, you know, it won't be your neighbors sitting in your comfy chair. <laughs> True. <laughs> It'll be a total stranger. So anyways – um, so, yeah, so, again, thanks to our patrons, thanks to our fans, to our listeners. Oh, one last thing. If you notice that there's been a whole bunch of notifications on Steam lately for us because this we reviewed, this reviewed, that, Oliver has had some time on his hands, so he's been going through our old excursions and reviews and adding them to our curator page because we have like something like at last check, like 5,100-something people to follow us on our curator page. And it's like, wow, that's pretty crazy. So we just yeah, want to keep relaxing. adding to that. And, you know, so that's what it is. Usually it'll be one, maybe two a week, if that. But just this past week, I haven't had time to mess with it for a while. And Oliver's like, yeah, I'll, I'll get it. And he did it. So thanks for the patience. You know, don't mind their dust. And I think that's it. All right. Well, we would like to thank everyone for joining us this week. We really enjoyed having you on the weekly exchange with us. This has been Troy and Nate for Explorminate. Take care, everyone. See ya.